first said I do and how in love you were. Then came kids, work, responsibilities, and laundry. Suddenly your marriage became the last thing on your priority list. Are you wanting more out of your marriage? We're Jeff and Mandy Rose. We want to show you how to design your perfect marriage. Join us on our challenges of adventure, commitment, faith, and yes, intimacy. We want to help you make your marriage more. So how's your memory this morning? <laughs> it's fantastic. You know, it's a great time when you can't remember all the bad things that ever happened to you. Yeah, so we are uh, starting, this is episode number two, Dollars and Roses podcast, and we want to reflect back on some of the early struggles we had with our marriage. And I was just telling Mandy here that about a story, which I'll get into more detail, and this is, I guess, I don't know how many years ago, but she's looking at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, it was like, that happened? <laughs> and like, the fact that you don't remember like, any detail of that story. I mean, because it was like a really a low point in our marriage. And he just told me like the whole story for like 15 minutes. And I'm looking at him like, that must have been your other wife. Like, I, that happened? Yeah. No, I've only I've been married twice, but to you both times. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. I love saying that. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, we're, uh, we're glad that uh, you're joining us on the second episode of Dollars and Roses. And we felt that, you know, last time we talked a little bit, little bit about our love challenges, our love habits, like the new direction of our Dollars and Roses podcast and blog. But we feel like before we can go any further that we needed to like kind of give you our backstory. You know, a lot of people know our backstory when it comes to blogging, you know, how we start our blogs, but as far as our backstory of who, how we met, how we got married, you know, what happened over the, our first couple of years of being married and, you know, kind of where we're at today. Yeah, because all of that was, uh, I think that was like the hardest point in our life, like right when we got married, which they say is the first year of marriage is always the hardest. And we spent the entire first year of marriage while Jeff was in Iraq. So we were separated. Maybe that's why we made it, you know, because like, we were, we were <laughs> yeah, separated. We were like, hey, get married. See you later. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's how it all worked, right? <laughs> I don't know. But Jeff's going to have to lead with some of these uh, stories because like you said, I think I have like the worst memory and I was just teasing. I'm like, well, God bless me with the worst memory ever. So that way I don't have to remember all the bad things. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like you, you remember some of the other things. They're just like not as bad, but you... Anyway. Are you going to send me to the doctor after this, like to have my head checked out? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> so, all right. So, I guess we first, I mean, before we got married, I guess quick introduction of how we started dating. I mean, so people know that? Yeah, you stalked me. Stalked you, right. <laughs> so, I moved in next door to her. Exactly. Um, See, this is getting crazy already. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, like I found her in a phone book. I was following her in college. I don't know how much detail we want to get, but, you know, you were dating somebody before when I moved in. And I moved in. You saw me and you're like starstruck. Like, oh, my God. Like, hunk alert. <laughs> hunk alert. Hello. I'm pretty sure that's not how that happened. But, no. Actually, you moved in. And if I remember correctly, I lived with my best friend, my roommate, Amy. And I remember telling her when you came over, with your shirt off to borrow peanut butter. I had a wife beater like tank top on. Okay. So I wasn't like naked. You were almost naked and he knocks on her door. And I remember just telling my, my roommate, like, you should totally date him. Because he's so hot. Like, look at those muscles. But I wasn't interested in you. I was totally like, go for it. I don't you, believe you. Okay, whatever. I don't believe you. <laughs> so that's true. I, I mean, true story. Like, I like peanut butter and toast. That's my thing. That's my jam. And I just moved into my new neighbor's or my new roommates, and they didn't have any peanut butter. 
And it's called Kroger, Walmart. <laughs> or it's like, or next door, I knew that there were these two, you know, attractive college females, you know, like that were living next door. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just see what they got in peanut butter, see what's up. <laughs> You're lucky that we <laughs> had <laughs> some. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, fast forward, she ended up breaking up with her boyfriend. We ended up, we started dating, but we just had, we had a very rocky start with our dating. And very, and I feel like I, I mean, I don't know if we should get into that, but I feel that I feel like one of the things I want to talk about is trust, you know, with our marriage. And I feel like that initial dating stage kind of set the tone of having some trust issues in our marriage. I would definitely say so. Yeah. I'd yeah. So I don't even start. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, she had her ex boyfriend that her, her parents loved, absolutely loved. Like, I mean, he was almost like their son. And whenever she dumped him, it was like, it just was, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Yes. So, and then we started dating, but like, they didn't know about me for a long while. <laughs> a long while. I had to keep you a little under the wraps because they were so hooked on this other guy that they would have, well, they ended up blaming you for me breaking up with him. And so, you know, yeah, you were so the bad guy. I was the bad guy. And I, if I recall correctly, your parents even told you that I was never allowed to come in their house. Yes, that is true. There was one point that my parents said that you were not allowed at their house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so just give you like some inside tips. So, so I know for me, like, you know, I was, en- I was having fun. I was enjoying it, but it got frustrating when I, I felt that like uh, we weren't getting anywhere. And so I'm trying, I don't remember all the details. I but like your face now because you're <laughs> like, okay, now I'm going to talk about all the crap that <clears throat> I did that sucked. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm trying to think the first incident. Well, I know that, you know, we were dating. Mandy left town and I end up fooling around with another girl. That's called cheating, babe. It's called cheating. But this, I mean, is it cheating is if we weren't like officially dating? Like, <laughs> all right, whatever. Okay, you're getting technical. <laughs> cheating is cheating. Yeah, as we were dating and you, the best part is, is though that he did it and then I got home and he told me all about it. Like, I, I don't know. It was like, are you trying to be cool? Oh, uh, no. I just remember like I felt so, okay, so prior to dating Mandy, my former girlfriend that we dated for a long time, but she cheated on me. And that was the first time I ever experienced that. And I always vowed to myself, like, I would never do that to anybody else. And whenever I did that to Mandy, like, I felt horrible. I felt sick. You know, my, most of my buddies were like, dude, you don't say anything. Shut up. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't. I, like, I liked Mandy so much that, that I you felt cheated on me. <laughs> that I felt I needed to be on it. Yeah. It's really bad. Really bad. And this is like, what, 12 years ago? Yeah. Years I was ago. like, how old were we? Like 21? I feel like I, I mean, I was, I'm going to say 22, 23, maybe 24 ish. I'm trying to think. I think I was 21. Yeah. 2021. So we were young, young kids. Young kids. College right. kids. Yeah. But we definitely did not have a great relationship when we were dating. So that was like, that was the first thing. And I I wish I could say that was the only thing. No, that kind of set the tone for the whole thing. So I'm like a, you know, I'm going to get you back kind of girl. (laughs) Yeah. So what happened? (laughs) I mean, I feel like I just continued to talk to my ex-boyfriend and lead him on. And I did that for like a year. I feel like. It was like, it was like almost a year. Yeah. And as she was doing that, like we were on and off again and then... I end up getting back together with my ex-girlfriend. I won't say we got back together, but we we got, back, got back together. together. We got back together. <laughs> and that happened at least like 27 times or something. What? 
<laughs> just kidding. No. Okay, that's uh, not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just want to see your reaction. No, I, I believe it was two or three times, if I recall, over the you know, course of several months. And, and I don't know. I guess maybe I thought maybe, you know, like it wasn't working out with Mandy. We might get back together. But I realized that, that there was nothing else there. That was nothing else there. And if I recall correctly, I think you and your ex got back together as well. Uh, I mean, my memory fails me on this oh, one. Oh, <laughs> well, I remember. Trust me, I remember. And it just was a really rough patch. And I know, like, most of our friends were like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, like, like why are you staying together? I mean, you guys suck at treating each other good. You lie to each other. Yeah. And it was, it was just like, it was drama. It was like always like, oh, what's new with Jeff and Mandy? Yes. We were like the drama couple. Yeah. And, like, I don't remember what happened. I Honestly, I don't remember, like, when it all changed. But I feel like... I feel like maybe it was after you got back together with your ex because that was like a whole other story. <laughs> whole other story. That we would need Whoa. a way longer time to talk about. And I just remember like, I was like, I'm done. You know, like after that, I was done. I, you know, I wasn't returning your calls. Like you went over and like stalked my friend, like trying to find out what's going on. And then like, I feel like once you've realized that I was gone, like you were ready to like, we were ready to make this for Well, real. isn't that how it always works, ladies? It's like, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> isn't True. That, isn't that like a country song? I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> you know, and that was, like I said, I don't remember exactly what that happened. But what I do remember was I was the first person of the two to, to tell you that I loved you. And I, maybe I said a little bit early, but like, I don't know. I just knew it. Like there was something about her and just how she was. Like, I knew that I was in love with her. And she never would ever, never, never returned, you know, that I to didn't. Me. See, I don't remember this either. No, but I remember, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I remember you wrote me a letter after everything. And I remember you saying like that you loved me. Like, and I just remember I got a little teary eyed cause like it took you forever. And when you finally like said it, even though it wasn't verbally, <laughs> You know, this is kind of like pre-text messaging, Facebook messaging. <laughs> I still, it sounds like I had a problem verbalizing my feelings. <laughs> but I remember like in the letter, like you said that I do love you. You know, like I really love you. And I just remember like that, that was like, and it's, we were like dating. And Yeah, I think, I don't know. I just remember there, no matter what happened between us, all the bad things that we did to each other, there was always just like this really strong connection, like where I could not shake it. Like I just knew that there was something that I had with you that I had never had with anyone else. And so people would think we are crazy and they would be like, you guys are stupid. Like you don't, you know, you fight and you lie to each other and you cheat on each other. But like when things were good, they were so good that you're like, you can't let it go, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree. And so we started dating and things again, again, <laughs> but like, it was like real, you know? Real and thing. I don't, I remember I was invited to your house. Like, I think you finally told them like, Hey, like we're dating and, Maybe we, you know, I think we went out to dinner. Like, I think I brought some friends with me, kind of like a group setting. <laughs> <laughs> back up. You know, back up, you know. Because my dad kicked your butt. And I think they got to know me and meet me and, like, realize, you know what? I'm not the devil. I'm actually, like, a fun guy. And it just, you know, things started progressing. And so I'm trying to remember time frames here. But so I graduated two, three, or four. So I remember that we were dating. And I don't, you probably don't remember this based on your memory skills here. But we had agreed to go on a cruise in January of 2005. I remember that. And it would have been our first cruise that we've ever been on. And we'd already. Our first vacation together. Yeah, our first vacation together. And 
I remember thinking, like, my plan, like, I already had this all mapped out. Like, I was going to propose to her on the cruise. Like, I was going to, like, during one of these dinner things, I was going to, like, get her up on stage and, like, and do it that way. I just had this all planned out. And unfortunately, those plans took a major change whenever I found out I was in the National Guard at the time and I found out I was going to be deployed. And I think I found this out in August. And that was like, whoa, you know, like, because that's when, you know, things were just hearing about IEDs and all this other stuff going on overseas. Like That's when Iraq was pretty bad. That was when Iraq was, it was pretty bad. That's when the war was pretty bad. And so I found out I was being deployed and I was leaving January 3rd, I think, if I recall, second or third of 05. So anyway, the cruise wasn't happening. No. So I decided that I was going to propose. And I remember that uh, I proposed to her October. It wasn't, I don't know if it was Halloween night, but it was, we were going out. For, for Halloween, Halloween night. Because <laughs> uh, I was the Tin Man and she was Dorothy. Because, you know, Dorothy had the Tin Man's heart. <laughs> oh, you romancer. Yeah, we have some pictures of that. We'll probably hopefully share on the blog post. But um, <laughs> And I don't know if we planned on getting married. Like We kind of talked about it because what, what we came to realize is that whenever you're deployed and if you're a girlfriend, if you're a fiancé, like in the the eyes of the military, you're I mean, a nobody. You're nobody. You get no information. You get no information. Nothing. You know, like my parents. You know, so they they would be able to get everything, but like she would be basically in the dark. And so we talked about the possibility of getting married, but it was just like crazy, you know, crazy to even. Yeah, I mean, I always had envisioned my like fairy tale wedding. You know, never did I think I would rush into a marriage, and but it was just like I remember thinking during that time, like. I wanted to, you know, like I wanted to forgo all of the like fairy tale wedding just so that I could be married to you and know what's going on with you while you're away. And so it was like this weird, like, I don't know, mind change for me because it wasn't something I ever, when I tell people like that we got married that quick, they're like, you really? Like, it just doesn't seem like something I would do. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, it makes something I would do, but I don't think it's any, something that she would do and definitely something that I feel like her parents wouldn't like support her doing. <laughs> And like I said, we weren't 100% sure that we were going to do it, but my mom lives in Las Vegas, and since I was being deployed, we decided to go out to visit her uh, over Thanksgiving, and uh, Mandy's parents came with us, and we're in Las Vegas, and, you know, Las Vegas has a lot of wedding chapels, and... I don't know. We just like talked about it and we were like, you know what? Let's do it. Yeah. I think I said like for me, it all depended on getting my parents support because I'm an only child, of course. And I like had lived my whole life to please them. And so I said to him that I wasn't going to do anything that my parents wouldn't approve of. And so I remember, ironically, we were sitting at In-N-Out Burger. Yeah. Oh, God. In-N-Out. It was probably like the 16th time we had been there already in three days. We talked to my parents about it and their response was basically like they didn't want to be the reason we didn't do it, that they wanted us to make the decision and that they would support our decision either way. So and they we did, did it. We did it. And like <laughs> we had booked or uh, made a reservation at the Little White Chapel. No, I think it's the one that Britney Spears Correct. Got it is. At. It's the one that Britney Spears, I, I mean, she's been married a few times, but one that she got married for like 24 hours in. And I think we put a deposit down. We lost our money because her dad was like, hey, like, if I'm going to do this, like, I don't want you getting married there. Well, and I didn't feel like it was, I was like, this seems creepy. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I mean, there was like the drive through option we could have done, like the drive through <laughs> Or <wedding>. with Elvis. <laughs> or I mean. with Elvis. Yeah, no, but we ended up finding a place called the Stratosphere, which is that really tall, like, kind of like the needle place, that uh, really high up. And they had a, the uh, chapel in the clouds. And uh, we got married there. And the cool thing was our 
pastor or reverend or whatever, whatever he was, when he saw our marriage certificate, he's like, oh my gosh, like I'm from Murfreesboro, which is like, you know, 10 miles from us. Yeah, he was from Illinois. So he's from he Illinois. was like right from where we were from. And yeah. it, was, it was really random being in Las Vegas it, to meet. Very, very random. And, you know, her dad walked her down the aisle and we were wearing jeans, our <laughs> new seven jeans we just bought because we were being all like diva and... It was fun. It was cool. It was seven minutes. <laughs> it was seven minutes. <laughs> it was. It was. It was definitely not the dream wedding that I had envisioned my whole life. But but we, we did so with the intention that once I got back from Iraq, that we would have like a ceremony. To renew our vows. Like renew our vows and actually have the reception and have like the big wedding that most people are accustomed to. Yeah. So I think it's easy that you can tell from like the whole backstory of this that like a lot of these trust issues that we had as a couple, there wasn't a lot of time to work those out. And then we jumped into like, you know, the proposal and the marriage. And then like Jeff said, a few months, well, it was really like we got married November 26th and he left on January 3rd. So you're talking like a really short time frame of being together. So a lot of those trust issues really stuck with us at the beginning of our marriage and were a huge hurdle throughout the first few years, even first five years. Yeah. I mean, and like, so what we, the whole point of this episode is that we want to talk about some of the early struggles. So like, as she said, we just we gave a little bit of a backstory on into that. And in a first, I guess, I mean, we'll talk about the trust stuff, but I feel like initially, you know, talk about the me getting back from Iraq and just having to reconnect. So I was deployed January of uh, 2005 and I didn't come back home until my first leave my first two week leave until November and you which know, is 11 months, 11 months, 11 straight months. And I just remember like we had the whole airport scene. You, I walk off the airport. She's there. We hug, we embrace, you know, it's one of, it was like a good moment. It was amazing. It was amazing. But then like, as the first few days went on, it was like terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> it was like, and it was weird to me because I couldn't get it. You know, I'm like, I'm home. And, and I realized that, you know, I'd been gone for 11 months and she had to live her life. And she became, you know, independent, you know, wasn't, wasn't dependent on me anymore. And I think, you know, she just had a wall. I mean, she was extremely guarded and it just, it was rough. I remember. Yeah. I mean, I know that before he left for Iraq, I was a very dependent girlfriend and fiance and wife. Like I said, as I grew up as an only child, so my dad always kind of provided everything for me and in a good way, but also in a way that like, I always felt like I needed somebody to provide for me. And so when I met Jeff, you know, he was kind of like that person. And so when he left that whole time that he was gone, it was like this whole new me. Like it, I had to learn to be independent and learn to be without somebody. And so, yeah, I, like, I started building this really giant wall <laughs> of like, I can do everything on my own now. I don't need anyone. <laughs> and I feel like that, it was like that for almost a week. And I, I finally was just like, you know, you got to let me in. You got to do this. And I remember, and I'm sure you don't remember this based on our previous conversations, but I remember that breakthrough moment was we were in the kitchen of our old house and I just remember I was like looking out the kitchen window and I just was like saying, you got to let me in, blah, blah, blah. Not and the I, window. You got to let me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. You got to let me in your heart. <laughs> you let me in your heart. And for whatever reason, there was a stud finder like on the kitchen counter. Because we've been remodeling. We were and remodeling. And I just remembered that you picked it up, you put it on my arm and you pressed it. 
and it beeped, you know, like, because you found your stud. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I thought the metaphor was like. Oh, you stud, yeah. I'm a stud. I just remember when, it was just one of those moments where we looked at each other, we laughed, and, you know, we cried, and we hugged, and we kissed. And it was like, that was like a breakthrough moment. So I thought things were good. So that was November. And then I came back home for good. It was either late March or early April. I don't remember this exactly. And so I thought we kind of worked out some of those issues. But coming back home, I realized, like, those issues were still there. You know, yeah, we it wasn't were, something that we could solve in, no. a, in a two-week leave. We fought. We, we just over just anything. And the, so going back to the, the, the start of the podcast, I was telling her a story. She didn't remember. But here's a story that I remember that just kind of gives you an example of, like, how bad it was. So, you know, at the time, my dad worked uh, at the Second Baptist Church. So we would always go you know, to church on Sunday. Not always, but we would go to church on Sundays. And... You know, one Sunday that you never miss, especially being a Southern Baptist, is Easter. I mean, everybody goes to church on Easter. And even non-Christians. <laughs> even, yeah, I mean, even non-Christians go to church on Easter. And we were supposed to meet my buddy out and maybe a few friends uh, Saturday night. We we're going to go to a bar, uh, one of the popular bars in our area, and, you know, hang out, have some drinks, you know, not get too crazy. And I don't remember what the fight was, but I remember that we got in another fight. And, you know, and I'm sure, like, we fought every day up until that point. I just remember that I was just angry and I just, I was like, you know what? I'm leaving. I'm out. And I got out of the car, sl- you know, slammed the door and I proceeded to go into the bar and Mandy drove off and like, we had never done that. I left you. You left me. But, you know, but you really left me. But I really left you. <laughs> In the car. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we have never done anything, even like all our crazy stuff. Like that's just not, that wasn't us. And I went into the bar and I remember my buddy was in there, another bu- a few buddies met. And I just remember I was doing shot after shot after shot. And I just got, I haven't used this word in a while, but obliterated. And I was so wasted, ridiculous. And uh, actually my, my friend, he actually ended up puking like in the bar. Uh, that's how bad it was. See, it's a good thing I don't remember this story in these times in our lives. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember, so this was... Um, we didn't mention that we used to actually live in a house. Me and Mandy lived in a house with my buddy and two other guys. Like we shared a house together. That's before I left for Iraq. <laughs> Which could have been like also the root of a lot of marital <laughs> problems. Hey, don't live with other guys when you're married. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we go back to that same house that my buddy, he actually bought and uh, he still owns. And I just remember, uh, all I remember was I was on the back patio, like a concrete pad. And with my head in the grass where the concrete pad ended, like puking. And I'm pretty much sure I slept there the entire night. And I remember I woke up the next morning and Bruce, my other buddy, was like, hey, Mandy called and, and you'd called and tried to talk to me. Like, where's Jeff? I need to talk to him. And Bruce was like, um, he ain't talking right now. Like, he's outside, passed out. <laughs> this is not something you should ever be proud of. Not be proud of. And so nonetheless, I finally get up like at noon and I'm still just feeling like crap. And he drives me home. And I, I went to our spare bedroom and I just walked in the house. You gave me that look and I just went to the spare bedroom and passed out again. I basically slept the entire day. That was Easter. And it was Easter. <laughs> yeah, it was Easter Sunday that I was, I think, in bed till at least four o'clock. And you bad, bad guy, you. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've never, I've never had to do that where I got so wasted and had to come home the next afternoon, you know, to my wife and be like, you know, she has no idea what I've done. And anyway, it just was like a very, low point in our marriage. And I'm sure there was other incidents, but you know, something that we, I, I want to talk in more detail on another podcast, but we decided that we need counseling. 
Yeah. You know, we needed marriage counseling. Like we needed, I needed help. And she initially thought maybe it was more from my deployment. You know, maybe it was like PTSD or something like that. And I think there was some of that stuff there, but I think the other, it was just the fact that we'd been separated for so long. And I always tell people like before I was deployed, you know, I was Jeff. I was happy go lucky Jeff. Like I, you get to know me. I'm very sarcastic. I'm funny. I'm stupid. I mean, I think I'm funny. <laughs> You're funny sometimes. And when I was deployed, you know, I was the squad leader and I was a, I was promoted to staff sergeant. And so I was in charge of these guys. I had to be hard on them to, you know, just make sure they're okay. So I became staff sergeant Rose. Like I, I had to put Jeff away for like a year and it's almost like I forgot who I was. You know, I remember there were times, I think we, I remember like driving to St. Louis, like I didn't talk. And you're like, like, you're so different now. Like you don't talk. And, and I was trying to explain to her, it's like, I had forgot who I was. You know, like I, I wasn't that person for like a year. So I had to, I had to re- remember that. And we had to remember who we were, like as a couple, like, you know, we just had forgot, like just the things we did together for fun. You know, we didn't have these love challenges, you know, to, to, to go on. So, you know, we ended up going to, to therapy and counseling and it helped. I mean, I don't remember how many sessions we did, but. Yeah, I know. I remember the like making that decision was so hard because it was like admitting that your marriage needed help. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, but if I do this and if I go to counseling and if I tell my parents or I tell my friends or anybody finds out that I'm in marriage counseling, like they're going to know all these that we're having all these problems. And, you know, it's like you always want to hide the problems that you're having because you want people to think that you've got your crap together. At least that's how I always was. <laughs> and I felt like going to counseling was actually admitting that there was a problem. And so that was really, I feel like that right there was the hardest part was just actually saying I would do it, which I think a lot of people struggle with because even now I have friends that like, you know, they'll have issues and I'm always like promoting, like go to counseling, go to counseling. Or like even my friends that don't have problems, I'm like, you should do counseling because you learn so much about each other. But it's like, nobody wants to take that step and do it because they feel like now they're admitting that there's something wrong. Yeah. And and actually I want to dedicate another entire podcast to that topic because, you know, we, we went that session, we ended up going back again I think after a year or so, and then, you know, even here recently, we've been doing some, I don't want to call it marriage counseling, but, you know, through our church, you know, we, yeah. we, we took like a questionnaire and we actually have an appointment tomorrow just to kind of go over some of the results. I mean, here we are, you know, 10 years, almost 10 years of being married and like we recognize that like, you know what, it's not easy, you know, and it's good to kind of take a step back, have, have a third person come in like a mediator, you know, help identify you know, some of the areas where you think you're good, but like, oh crap, you're right. Like I missed that. You know, I, I was, could improve on this. I can improve on that. So anyway, that was definitely, I feel like that was like a low point in our marriage. So we ended up going to counseling and I remember like, I want to bring this one up because I just think it's funny, but, um, oh, Lord. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give the introduction. I'll, I'll let you kind of, I'm, I'm curious to know if you remember this story. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to refer to this as the fork incident. No, oh, geez. So can, can you please share with our listeners? I honestly don't remember like this whole story. I just remember that I threw a fork at you, but I really was like trying to throw it near you, kind of like <laughs> a kid would do. Like, I'm going to throw this at you, but not at you. I'm just going to throw it by you so that it doesn't hit you and I don't get in trouble. But like, I want to show you that I am so mad. I feel like I remember like getting so mad about something that I had a fork in my hand and I threw it and I meant to throw it just like, next to you to be like oh i'm so mad and i think if i remember correctly 
I threw it and it hit your foot, your toe. I think hit. I broke your pinky toe or no, something. No, you didn't no? break anything, but you hit my ankle. Like oh, that's right. The inside bone, like on your <laughs> ankle. This is not funny. Do not throw forks in your marriage. By the way, this was like 10 years ago, right? Okay. No, like. I that was last week. Shut up. <laughs> I don't throw forks anymore. Okay. This sounds terrible. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. It, it was at least eight years ago. It, it was. And I think the reason I want to bring that story up is because I feel that like early on in our marriage, I think that we both had really bad tempers and we were very short, you know, or just quick to react on, on things and quick to throw forks. Quick to throw forks. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like that as you, as you dive into our, our future podcast, where we talk about, you know, just what going to church, you know, and actually being baptized and, and, and bringing, you know, Jesus into our lives. I mean, it has changed us so much where we don't throw forks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like appalling to think that I ever did that. I mean, it doesn't seem like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like. Well, just, just so that you're not the only one that like, you know, is like throwing stuff, but you probably don't remember this, but. You threw a vacuum once? Threw a vacuum. I remember that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I'm surprised. (laughs) Actually, when you were, before this podcast started, he was asking me like, well, what stories stick out to you? And I was, uh, that was actually the one I was thinking of. You threw a vacuum like at your, at your sliding glass door in your, in our old house. And I was like, Really? A vacuum? Yeah. It's like a big vacuum. Yeah. I mean... I don't know, were we married then or were we still dating? That was worse than a fork, though. I didn't hit you, though. But still, that, it was that a was, vacuum. My intention was to, it was more of a scare tactic. You know, I wasn't actually throwing a vacuum at you. <laughs> I just threw it in your general direction. We sound like really bad people right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to justify... This is the reality, though, of what our marriage started on. It really is. Like, the tempers and the anger and the trust issues and the fighting. Yeah. We've, we've been through a lot of crap. Yeah, we have, we have, <laughs> and and that's what that was the whole point. Just to show you that, guess what? You know, we're we're not perfect. You know, it, it hasn't been perfect. It's been tough, and we've had to address some things. You know, we had to own up to some of our own mistakes. Uh, you know, going to counseling and having to share just some of the things that we've done and what we struggle with. I mean, you know, that was a, just exposing ourselves. You know, and just and and also realizing some things about us that we didn't realize. You know, one thing I want to bring up, and I'll because I can't think of where I would, I'd want to bring up in another podcast, but something that I remember I learned in counseling was, so I've been a big flirt. I've always been a big oh flirt. Oh my gosh, y'all, he flirts all, he used to be like the biggest flirt ever, which was great when he was flirting with me, but really terrible when he was flirting with all my friends. <laughs> and, and, and I've always just thought of just being friendly, and, but what I recognized in, in counseling was we just talked about how so, you know, my parents divorced at a young age. And I've always told Mandy and other people, like, I was lucky because my parents divorced and it was a good divorce. You know, my mom and, you know, my, my dad was from Illinois. My mom lived in California. So I would go back and forth, like, every summer I'd go visit her. My dad had primary custody of me. But I always told her, like, you know, it was good because they had a good divorce. You know, like, they didn't argue. I split time between them. And I always kind of, like, tried to, I guess, paint a better picture. And the one thing I remember in counseling that he ended up bringing to my attention is like, you know, like it's, it's an attachment disorder. Like, I mean, your mom, I mean, she loves you, but like she wasn't there for you like every day, you know, and like you didn't have that. And so like what basically you're doing, like what he, he helped me realize is like I was going to other women. Seeking and, approval. Seeking approval. And that was like, so I would flirt with people, flirt with women so that I'd feel that they would like me and it'd make me feel good. You know, because it just 
because of that whole thing. Yeah, because you never had that with your with your mom. So you were always seeking it from every other woman. And I did that my entire like, and I did that in, in high school. I did it up in the college. And so I, I was always like that, which was fun when you're single. But whenever you're dating or you're married and you're flirting with other women to get approval, I finally realized, like, I only need approval from one woman. <laughs> you know, I don't need to get approval from other women. And it was just a very eye-opening experience. So, like, I would, I could catch myself in situations where normally when I would have, like, said something or just be flirtatious to get that, like, I was like, you know what, Jeff? Shut up, you mm-hmm. know? You know, just keep your distance, be nice, be cordial, but don't take it to that next step. Yeah, I think with that, that was one thing that really did change our marriage because it was a huge thorn in my side. I remember just always, it, it, was, it goes back to the trust thing. I never trusted you to be around other women because you were always seeking their approval, which meant you were always crossing the line. So I feel like um, by setting boundaries and saying like, here's what I'm comfortable with. Here's what I'm not comfortable with. Like, I'm, I'm not comfortable with you complimenting a woman about, you know, such and such, or I'm not comfortable with you putting your arm around her or, so there were like boundaries. I feel like that we set that took a while for you to adjust to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that was like the first step, like realizing it through the counseling and then having the conversation about like, okay, what are the boundaries and how can I how can I make small changes so that eventually like I'm not seeking the approval of every woman I meet? Right. And you know, I know, and like I said, like that was something that I didn't know. And and when you talk about counseling and why Mandy was so, you know, like counseling, counseling, go counseling, you know, like it does help. You know, we always encourage couples, like if there's, if you just feel like you could benefit, I mean, I think even couples that feel like everything is good, you know, I feel like that there's some benefit there just to uncover some things that can make your marriage more, Yeah, you know, just to take a bit of off our uh, tagline on the blog. I remember during counseling, something that I learned about myself, which was just that he, he, our counselor was saying that like, whatever Jeff had been doing, like, didn't define anything about me. Like it wasn't my fault and it wasn't, it wasn't about me. It was about Jeff, you know, which was so eye opening because it's like, I'm thinking he's flirting with other women because I'm not good enough or he's, you know, like <laughs> he's doing all the flirting because he doesn't love me enough or because I'm doing something wrong or because I'm not giving him what he needs. It was really eye opening for me to realize that like, it's not about me. It's not about anything I'm doing or not doing. It was more about like, it was more about your past issues. And so that was helpful, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why I think like counseling is just, yeah, is where it's at. It was good. <laughs> and you know, that really helped us. But so anyway, I, I guess we could probably keep going on. We'd probably start remembering other stories. And oh, I'm stuff. sure. But we just want to give you a quick introduction of, of who we are, you know, where it started. <laughs> which, which this introduction is in terrible of who we are. Like, this is not who we are right now. Like, this is who, say it like this. We want to give you an introduction of who we were. Who we were. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and hopefully through other podcasts, you'll realize who we are now. And, and like, and we're good. Like, we have our love challenges, you know, which we want to encourage you to try because we recognize that, you know what? It, marriage doesn't just stop. You know, once you get married, it's not over because marriage changes, things evolve, you know, like your lives are going to change, your interests change, your hobbies are going to change, you know, like your kids are going to, you know, change different sports, different friends, which is more parents or different situations. So, I mean, your marriage is ever evolving. So just making sure that you're conscious of that and, you know, striving to continue to make your marriage more. That's where we want to to advocate, you know, here on Dollars and Roses. So I hope you enjoyed our our journey. Our reminiscing our about reminiscing. throwing forks in vacuum. Yeah. Good times. Good times. <laughs> I hope that you took out of that, that if you're throwing forks at your spouse, you need counseling. <laughs> yeah. 
So I uh, hope you enjoyed <laughs> this uh, podcast. But uh, if you have not checked it out yet, please uh, head on over to the blog, dollarsandroses.com, and you can check out our love challenges. Sign up. It is free. And uh, find a challenge that's going to be good for you and your spouse so that you can strive to make your marriage more. Until next time, take care. Take care.